I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore.
God is good. All the time. Man. We've been having a feast and worship this morning, huh? It's been good. Uh, well, happy Thanksgiving. I know some of you are like, well, that was Thursday. Like, we're on to Christmas. No, we're not. <laughs> I like to have two Sabbaths for Thanksgiving in this church. Uh, before and after. And... Um, if you're familiar with me at all, you know I'm kind of a, I don't know, I call myself kind of a Scrooge in the sense that I'm doing everything in my power to get us to hang on to Thanksgiving a little bit longer. And uh, I love Christmas, don't get me wrong. I love Christmas. Uh, I love the decorations. I love all that. But I just kind of have this like personal thing about how I feel like Thanksgiving is getting squished. And uh, I'm, I know I'm getting old, I guess, because I'm, I'm, I fear that someday we'll be like, the world will go, Thanksgiving? What, what's that? What was that? Tell me about that. I don't want that to happen. And uh, so I, I struggled as neighbors around where I live were playing Christmas music all week long. And uh, I just said, oh, I love that person. I just love them. And uh, <laughs> Jesus makes me do that, you know? <laughs> um, but anyways, I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I had a beautiful Thanksgiving. And uh, I think I consumed my full 4,600 calories, uh, as Pastor Isaac was bringing out last Sabbath. And um, I think I had pumpkin pie on Friday morning for breakfast. And uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. I made sure, got the exercise in though, you know, because I can justify the calories. So that was good. So I hope you had a wonderful time as well. I found uh, interesting information that... uh, Maybe not so interesting, we could probably predict it, but back in 2010, the New Yorker magazine summarized the findings of a study that was published in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. The researchers assembled three groups. One group of people was major lottery winners. The other was paralyzed accident victims. And the other just a a control group, random individuals. They asked them a whole bunch of questions, as you can imagine, about their present, past, and future happiness. Here's a couple things they found out. They found out that the lottery group rated winning as a highly positive experience, and the accident group ranked victimhood as a negative one. Let's probably predict that. Clearly, the winners realized that they'd been fortunate. But this only made the subsequent results more puzzling. Shockingly, the lottery winners took significantly less pleasure in daily activities, like including buying clothes and so forth, than the members of the two other groups. The lottery winners were no happier than the random control group, and both the control group and the paraplegic and the quadriplegic accident victims expressed more happiness in undertaking life's daily activities than the recently rich. In this world, I don't know if it bothers you, but it bothers me. And I think it bothers me because I have some of it in me. The drive to consume. The drive to consume. And I think that's part of my angst, if you will, with Thanksgiving feeling squished. You know, Black Friday is no longer Black Friday. It's Black Thursday, right? (laughs) And so on and so on. I'm grateful for Thanksgiving because it, makes us pause. It's a hard pause to remember the goodness of God expressed to humanity. 
the goodness of God expressed to us in our own personal lives in many different ways, big ways, little ways, in between ways. Let's stop and remember, life is good and we are blessed. I like what Thorne said to Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit when he said, if more of us valued food and cheer and song above hoarded gold, it would be a merrier world. I was at my mom's this past week taking a look at her computer and uh, I came across this letter that I had sent to God when I was a child. And I pulled it out while I was waiting for the computer to reboot and I uh, pulled it out, read it. I took a picture of it here. thought I would entertain you with this. So uh, on the right, I think we're going to get it up there for you in a second. Are we having technical difficulties here? Do you have that letter? <laughs> on the right, there we go. On the right is the envelope that I made to send to God in heaven. I like how I spelled heaven. H-E-V-E-N. For some reason, I had the stamp on the left. And, uh, of course, I needed my return address in case, you know, God didn't know where I lived and so forth. So, uh, full name. I love that to God. Then in the letter, again, I, I, I felt the need to put my address in there for some reason. Dear God, thank you for everything, mostly my family. I really, let me see, I really love you very, very much. I really mean it too. Thank you for the animals, too. I like that word, too, a lot. And thank you for the Bible, too. P.S. I love this last one. And the food. <laughs> love, John Ciccarelli. I don't remember when I wrote that. I think I was about 45. Um, I'm not quite sure, but... Because <laughs> I still thank God for the food. And I really appreciate the food. <laughs> one of the things I love about God is that God loves meals. And one of the great things about God and meals is that meals are always much more than merely the food before you. With God, meals always mean something. They mean something about the past experience with God, the present experience with God, and the future experience with God. As you think about the stories in the Bible around meals, you have the festivals in the Old Testament and and you have the Lord's Supper. You have God feeding the 5,000. You have God constantly with food. There's always a symbolism of God providing. Of God's provision in the past, God's provision currently, and God's provision in the future. In fact, Jesus even said he himself was the bread of life. Right? And I love that about God. And so I was drawn to a passage I want to share with you today in the book of Isaiah where there is another meal that God talks about. A meal that proclaims the faithfulness of God, his future faithfulness. In Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1, Isaiah writes, O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. Have you experienced the perfect faithfulness of God in your life? I want to venture that you have. I'm going to guess that you have. You've experienced his perfect faithfulness in many different ways. And currently you are, even if you aren't realizing it. 
And this morning, I want to challenge us that Thanksgiving is not only a day to give thanks for God's provision in the past and his provision, provision in the present, but it's also a day to give thanks to God for his perfect faithfulness in the future. And what he will do and what he is about doing. And so Isaiah says, again in verse 1, O Lord, you are my God, I will exalt you. I will give thanks to your name, for you have worked wonders, plans formed long ago with perfect faithfulness. And he goes on in the following verses. For you have made a city into a heap. Okay, this is sounding a little strange. A fortified city into a ruin. A palace of strangers is a city no more. It will never be rebuilt. Therefore, a strong people will glorify you. Cities of ruthless nations will revere you, for you have been a defense for the helpless, a defense for the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, for the breath of the ruthless is like a rainstorm against a wall. Like heat in, in drought, you subdue the uproar of aliens. Like heat by the shadow of a cloud, the song of the ruthless is silenced. You see, Isaiah is giving praise to God because God has come through once again. They'd been in exile with Babylon and God has come through again and he's rescuing them and those evil powers, God was dealing judgment. God was bringing judgment to the evil powers of the world that were going in contrast to his salvation history and story. And so he's releasing his people, he's saving his people once again And so Isaiah is saying, O Lord, you are my God, and I will exalt you. He's giving thanks to him for his perfect faithfulness and his works of wonders. And he goes on in verse 6. The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will swallow up the covering, which is over all peoples, even the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe tears away from all faces, and he will remove the reproach of his people from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. A day to give thanks, a lavish feast that God is preparing. And church, this is not Revelation. This is the book of Isaiah. Jesus hadn't even come yet. But the Spirit is working through the prophet Isaiah to remind his people that he will be faithful, that he will come through with his works of wonders. And the beautiful thing is, is that if you'll notice, this lavish feast is not for one people, it's for all peoples. It's for all peoples. For all are welcome and invited to this lavish feast that God is providing. As I was spending some time in Isaiah this week, I went back to chapter one and was reminded of how good God is, how lavish he is with his grace towards humanity. If you were to go back, if I was to spend some time today just to read chapter one, it's a pretty harsh chapter. I mean, just take verse four. He's talking about his people and his 
God's people in rebellion, at last sinful nation, people weighed down with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who act corruptly. They have abandoned the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned away from him. Several verses, God is talking to his people like this. But that God, in verse 18, some of you may remember, says these amazing words out of his faithfulness. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. Don't you give thanks today to God for his perfect faithfulness, for his works of wonder. Peter reminds us of how God treated his people and how we as the church are called as well when he says in chapter 2, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You see, in verse 1 of Isaiah chapter 25, Isaiah says, O Lord, you are my God. The only reason why he is his God is because God chose to extend grace and compassion and mercy to humanity. See, when the Bible talks about choosing, it's never for exclusion, it's for inclusion. And that means of which God chooses shows that it all starts with him all the time. God chose to love. What's that verse? We love only why? Because he first loved us. And so the only reason Isaiah can say, you are my God, is because God chose to extend his hand to a relationship with humanity. And he continues to show. And so coming out of exile of Babylon and, and so forth, are all parts of this salvation history in which God is redeeming the world and God is making things right and God is calling us into his kingdom and into this relationship with him. Because God is faithful. All through scripture is testimony after testimony and witness after witness of God's perfect faithfulness to you and I. And so we have this opportunity, this invitation to this lavish feast. To this lavish feast. In which we are reminded as well that it all started with God. God prepares the feast. God invites to the feast. God calls us to the feast. In fact, I love Romans 5. Remember these words? For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Do you hear God's perfect faithfulness in there? Over and over and over again. What an incredible Heavenly Father we have, church. And we give thanks 
We give thanks. One of the things I love about Thanksgiving is obviously the food. But I love the spirit of it. I love the smell in the house. I love the family in the house. I love one of my favorite nights of the year is Thanksgiving Eve. There's just this calm. There's just this everything stopped. There's no meetings. There's no anything going on. We're just home. It's quiet. And I felt bad for Lisa because I fell asleep at like 8.30. (laughs) There was a deep calm that came over me. It was nothing to do with you. (laughs) And I love just the the fun. I love the football. I love all the different things. And... um, we did, I did something that wasn't too nice to my family a little while ago. They, uh, they were very, they've been very gracious to me, but uh, we had two dogs already, and I decided to encourage us to get a third dog. Yeah, you cat lovers out there are hating me right now. But. And so, uh, I, you know, I can talk about the Kohlers because they're not here today, I don't think. They're not in their, their season seats here. And this, this puppy uh, came from the Kohlers, and... Uh, you know, if you were at Danny's memorial service, I talked about it a little bit. Danny was a pretty chill guy. And I've never seen him move so fast as when he brought this puppy over to my house and then ran for the front door. <laughs> you know when someone says, you could just try it out for a couple, few hours, see if it works with your dogs. You know, you know that they're saying that, but when they bring the papers and the dog food over at the same time, they're, they're thinking it's staying there. And so we got our third dog. Um... And he's a quite a large dog. He's a Labradane. So he's part Black Lab, part Great Dane. His name is Obi. Yes, it's short for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And he's, he's, he's starting to be a good dog. He's nine months, over 70 pounds. And um, Obi, um, Obi likes to be in the kitchen. And, and so as... Lisa was working on food and so forth. Uh, um, he decided that, you know, he would get into the trash can a little bit. And uh, um, one of our traditions in our house on Thanksgiving morning is Lisa makes pumpkin chocolate chip muffins, which I love. And uh, so there was flour in the, um, in the trash can. Now, it's not as bad as you think. You know, it's not as bad. Now, I just thought I would pull up. I just took a little picture of him. We'll put it up there for you. And uh, now... Not too bad. You know, he, he's black, so that white is not his fur. Okay, just so you know, he, he'd been in it. <laughs> and the picture doesn't quite bring it out as much, but, uh, and he probably had a little more on than by the time I got the picture of him. It was one of those pictures that like, it took me nine to get. You know, he'd be, Obi, come here. And he's, you know, moving in. Um, and, uh, you know, but he kept, like, it was like he kept trying to tell me he hadn't done anything wrong. You know, but like it was on his face. He just couldn't, couldn't get away with it. And, uh, you know, he's a good dog, and we love him in spite of the things that he does. And church, aren't you so glad God loves us in spite of the things we do? Because we do a lot worse things sometimes than putting our head in the trash and getting into the flower, right? And sometimes we go around life acting like nothing's wrong, and it's all over our face. And yet God, God is so perfectly faithful He's that shepherd that goes after the one lost sheep. He's that woman that sweeps her house until she finds that coin. And she's that, he's that father who just runs out and meets you, reads the prodigal. He is perfectly, perfectly faithful. 
started to check out a new book that was given to me recently called The, the Grave Robber by Mark Batterson. And in it, he says this, you may feel as if you are sitting still right now, but it's an illusion of miraculous proportions. Planet Earth is spinning around its axis at a speed of 1,000 miles per hour. Every 24 hours, planet Earth pulls off a celestial 360. We're also hurtling through space at an average velocity of 67,108 miles per hour. That's not just faster than a speeding bullet, he says. It's 87 times faster than the speed of sound. So even on a day when you feel like you didn't get much done, don't forget that you did travel 1,599,793 miles through space. To top things off, the Milky Way is spinning like a galactic pinwheel at the dizzying rate of 483,000 miles per hour. If that isn't miraculous, I don't know what is. Yet when was the last time you thanked God for keeping us in orbit? I'm guessing you've never prayed, Lord, I wasn't sure we'd make the full rotation today, but you did it again. <laughs> Church, if God is so committed is miraculously and graciously sustaining such cosmic realities, which we rarely even give thought to, how much more, how much more do you believe he is working toward bringing us to the lavish banquet he's preparing for all peoples? Yeah. How much more? God is committed to his passion. And church, never forget, his passion is you. His passion is you and me. His passion is the people who aren't inside these walls today. His passion is his creation. I love Revelation 19. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're all invited. All invited to come. And those words in chapter 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And the one who is perfectly faithful can say that. Every Thanksgiving provides us the occasion to give thanks to God for his promise of salvation, past, present, and future. Remember these words I read from Isaiah 25? He will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples. The sheet that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. Then the Lord God will wipe away the tears from all faces and the disgrace of his people he will take away from all the earth. And so church, every Thanksgiving... For those who trust and rely on the grace and the faithfulness of God can be a thanksgiving, not only for the past and for the current blessings, but also for God's faithful, faithful grace in the future, a present future thanksgiving, celebrating God's future perfect faithfulness in the present. Let's pray. Oh God, you are so good. You are so faithful. So we give you thanks today for your faithfulness in the past, your faithfulness now in the present, and for your faithfulness still yet to come. May we daily give you thanks, give you praise for all the grace that you've extended to us and that you will faithfully continue to extend to us until all things are made new again. 
Would you take a moment now in silent prayer to give thanks to God for his future blessings and faithfulness? And now as we go, maybe we go celebrating the faithfulness of God, praising him not only for his past and present faithfulness, but for his future faithfulness. God bless you.